3: The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave <laughs> Hooker ready here we go loaded up
4: and we've got a lot going on with tennessee in the ncaa tournament round one for the vols and rick barnes starts tonight with louisiana a full breakdown coming up also we will get to josh ward his thoughts on the running backs that tennessee will showcase in spring practice always an interesting position because Quite frankly, you might want to save some wear and tear on some guys. And also, we'll take a look at Tennessee's offensive line as the Vols have to replace a guy in Darnell Wright who's creeping up the draft board to uh, the first round and looks to go in the first round. Very talented player. I don't think some people realized how physically gifted he was. But there's a chance that Tennessee's offensive line could actually be better this upcoming year we'll discuss why and ron slay of the sec network will join us so we got it all we got football basketball hit that thumbs up button the like button we greatly appreciate that if you haven't subscribed at this point what are you thinking good morning caleb calhoun how are you sir
0: i am very very good i am such a hypocrite because as much as i trash march madness i'm actually really excited to just sit around and watch the games the next two days so i'm I know you can call me whatever you want to call me for that.
4: I'm too. I'm jazzed. Uh, I enjoy it from noon to midnight, even though I'm a big football guy. You're probably more of a basketball guy than I am, but uh, I'm a big football guy. This is my favorite uh, two days of the sports calendar right before the weekend, probably the divisional playoffs in the NFL. Uh, I love that having back-to-back games, but I I will watch from noon to midnight with a break. Uh, I've already got plans to meet someone looking forward to that and we're gonna see how many wings we can eat together and I'm gonna put the over under at 49 and a half and I'm gonna go with the overs. That so, is a
0: heart attack waiting to happen, isn't it? Well,
4: we gotta get go, Caleb, we gotta go somehow. you'll you'll learn that up some. point. <laughs> <laughs> You'd either go out on a good note um and uh leave a decent looking corpse i'm past the point where a good looking corpse is a possibility but so you
0: saying you'd rather die good? no i want to die ugly and decrepit and old and looking horrible
4: <laughs> now, i know um, i i
0: made it a long time
4: yeah i think it depends on your perspective there but we do remember those like uh i guess james dean who was the one that said that we remember him as that that good looking guy but Seems like every rock star from the sixties and seventies died at twenty seven too. Jim they either Morris, died
0: at twenty seven or they look really weird because they still they're still touring and trying to dress like they're in their twenties and they need to accept that they're not in their twenties.
4: Also, Travis asking if anyone scheduled a vasectomy this morning. No, that would have been yesterday. Because then you get two days on the couch, but you could do it Thursday morning, but go ahead and take the whole day off of work. Yesterday was National Dissectomy Day because guys are able to sit around and and just watch ball. So some clarification on what you said yesterday before we get to a preview of the Raging Cajuns. You don't hate the tournament, and it might be a little bit gimmicky, but your issue is more with the regular season. Is that fair? Uh, My issue is that the tournament
0: itself, as exciting as it is, creates other problems. Just on another note, I love alcohol. I am very, 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 very strong on how alcohol is bad for you. It's worse for you than like uh, – there are studies done. Alcohol is worse for you than some of the hard drugs, not just weed, but it's actually worse for you than things like cocaine, heroin. It's one of the most dangerous things that's out there. It's probably the most dangerous depressant, and it's the one we've legalized. But I'm still going to drink because I love drinking. So (laughs) –
4: Yeah, Caleb's kind of my own private YouTube. I was watching a special on that tonight about how you have to take more um, poisonous uh, molecules in for alcohol consumption and the buzz than pretty much any other drug. That's why you feel so hungover from alcohol more than other drugs. You know, you could probably smoke a bong all day long. I mean, I haven't done this in a long time. But you could probably smoke a bong all day long and feel pretty good the next day. That's not the case with alcohol. So, for those that are taking the rest of the day off, I want you to pace yourself. Pace yourself today. Uh, Like Kevin Garnett says, drink a glass of water every once in a while. Know when to drink a water, which is the dumbest commercial ever.
0: (laughs) It is, but Kevin Garnett's one of my favorite players. He was my favorite player for years in the NBA, so I make a lot of excuses for him. Um, But...
4: Funny you say that. He's one of mine as well. All right. Anything is possible. Is it possible for Louisiana to beat Tennessee? I think it clearly is. And I love the matchup of good against good here. This is essentially a Josh Heupel offense going against, I hate to say it because I don't think it's going to turn out this way, but a Georgia secondary. This is good against good. This is Tennessee being very good defensively on the perimeter, and this is Louisiana who, if they hit threes, they're going to win games. Well, duh, you could say that about anybody. But, Caleb, through studying Louisiana and the Raging Cajuns, what I've found is that they take threes efficiently. They're not Golden State. And listen, it's working for Golden State in the NBA. I'm not knocking. But they're not just going to chuck up threes left and right, which is why I will go ahead and throw out my prediction. I think Tennessee will play good perimeter defense. I think uh, Tennessee will get Louisiana frustrated. I don't think this game's going to be close after really digging into it this week. What say you for the Vols in round one? At a just fantastic 9:20 start time. Got to love that. So we can get the local news in we take the 2-hour break. But anyway, <laughs> Caleb, not that I hate 9:20 start time. The worst is when you get sent to New Orleans to cover a tournament and it's a 9:20 start time. So then you catch up with your buddies who are supposed to meet you and they can't walk down Bourbon Street and you're stark sober because you've covered the game. Not that that's happened to me 18 times. But Caleb, <laughs> what do you think of the game tonight?
0: Um, so as far as the game goes tonight, um, I would mostly agree with you, but there's one major caveat, which is Louisiana is not your regular mid-major that shoots the ball well from three team. They, the reason they shoot threes efficiently and can go off is because their focus is actually scoring on the inside. They got Jordan Brown, a guy who is averaging 19 points a game is six eleven. He's a junior for the record. I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy. I, I looked at a little bit of his highlights. I wouldn't be surprised to see him transfer, hit the portal this offseason, and go to a bigger school. I mean, he has got NBA potential, I think. Um, And
4: Uh, Maybe that works out with Tennessee. Maybe during the game, you're like, hey, uh, hey, how would you like to have one shining moment with us?
0: That's true. Or maybe he'll pull a Kevin Durant and lose to Tennessee and then go join Tennessee the next year. (laughs) There you go. Um, Garnett, though, didn't jump. No, uh, no, no. I said Durant. Oh, Durant. Oh, Durant. Durant. Definitely. Durant literally blew a 3-1 series lead to Golden State and then goes and joins them the next year in one of the weakest moves in sports history.
4: I agree um, with that. And, uh, but if I'm Tennessee, I am dropping in some, hey there. you know. I mean, he is the type of player. I noticed that, too. He's the type of player that can create buckets down low that if Tennessee had. They're a different team, and they're a good team now. Don't get me wrong. But – They're a different team with a guy that can create buckets and then find guys on the perimeter. Right now, nobody collapses down on Tennessee because their guys on the post can't create buckets. And when you kick it outside, they're covered because nobody collapsed down. He's the type of guy, we're really on the same page today, it's weird, uh, that I was thinking last night, he's the type of dude that if he were on Tennessee's team, I would be saying Sweet 16 is very, very likely.
0: I agree. Um, this is where, and this is where the key for Tennessee is going to be Jonas Adu tonight. The disappointment for Tennessee. I think it's fair. It's fair at this point. Say, Ross project is a disappointment. He, he is in his third year. He's a seven footer. You want to see what well, you always want one seven footer that can really be that force inside. And he's never turned into that. So Olivier, the has had to do a lot of the work and Olivier is a stretch four. So the, they're going to have more trouble defensively tonight than you might think because Louisiana can play a full-on inside-out game. And by the way, Louisiana has another forward who is 6'7", averaging 11 and 7.5 rebounds. Now 6'7 in the NBA is not a thing in the post. It is a thing in college. In college, 6'7 can make you a big force down low. Tennessee's going to have their hands full because Louisiana plays a true inside-out game. They're almost like Arizona, but at a smaller level. Um, if that makes sense. And I like it. Yeah, and I think that that could give Tennessee some trouble. The key for them is they need Adu to get in there and deny the paint as much as possible. I think Adu's defense is gonna be the key for them to try to win this game. And because if he if he's not performing, um Adu and Plavchik, that you know, one of them's gotta be able to deny the paint. And if they're not Tennessee is in big trouble tonight because the, you need your perimeter players, like you said, to focus on defending the perimeter. And if they're not going to do that, then you got a real big issue.
4: Hey, I'll tell you something too, Caleb. We we both kind of – and um, if 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 our buddy's listening, um, Robbie Davis, Davis Kessler Davis, he's all over us about our Rick Barnes takes and – um, there's an argument to be made on his side for sure. And we've been hard on the fact that this is a defense-first team. But let's remember this. With kind of the old-fashioned Rick Barnes style of coaching, one strength is his teams typically are mature, more mature than others. I think that's pretty safe to say, even with Zakai Ziegler out. So when you go on the road in an NCAA tournament, you've got to be able to turn around and play in four days, and you've got to be ready to go at 920, I think is the tip-off. It'll probably be more like 1015 when the other games go long. They always do. Credit Rick Barnes' system for having mature players usually in March. We do have to give him his due on that, right? Yeah, but
0: it's irrelevant when you play teams like Louisiana. You know, those those smaller schools that get in – they're almost always the most mature teams in their conference. Well, true. And, and Louisiana has their three leading scores. They got one junior and two seniors are their three, are their three leading scores? So, yes, this is their first NCAA tournament. I don't I, – Dave, you've covered teams. I want to know what your thoughts are. I know people always say, like, the whole, like, no playoff experience or no postseason experience. Is that really a thing in sports? Is that really, like, they don't have any experience playing in this game?
4: I think that you're more apt to have maturity if you are older and you have been to the tournament. Duh, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. you're more apt to. However, I have seen teams when Tennessee played Charlotte Help me with the year. But that was 2001
0: Jerry yeah. last year.
4: Yeah, I mean, that was Tony Harris. That was a loaded team. I think Ron was on that team, too. Ron Slade is going to join us. That was a team that I thought was a little immature. So they may have been experienced, but they were immature. And when they went up to Dayton and didn't get the seed they wanted, I kind of felt like it was bleh. And the guy's name was Roddy White. I don't know if you remember him from Charlotte. We talked to Ron about this, and I pulled Roddy White aside, and he was a swing player that was really good. He got drafted in the first round. I don't know what happened to him of the NBA and I pulled him aside, and I said, man, I just got to tell you, you you're, you guys are really confident. Do you think you're going to win? Right when I turned my recorder off, Caleb, so it wasn't on the record, he goes, oh, I'll tell you we're going to win. And Ron, so has told me since, he said, you should have told us that because that game crept up on them. So, But no game should ever creep up on you in the NCAA no, tournament. tournament.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. I thought I, I that Tennessee team, that last team, that it started the year number four and then stumbled to an eight seed, it just seemed like everybody was ready to be done with that season and done with Jerry Green. I just felt like people well, – the, the annoyance of the fan base crept into the players, I feel like, on that
4: Well, team. and that was the point where Jerry Green had a couple of pops and he didn't show up to – he didn't have to show up to Vol Calls on Monday nights like coaches do now. And he's able to say, if you don't like it, uh, this Tennessee basketball team. And he had a point. I mean, they were going to be a 20-plus win team. They were top 10 in the nation. If you don't like it, you can go to Kmart and rent a movie. Well, that was nonsensical because they don't rent movies at Kmart, and they didn't at the time. And there was the golf rumors and everything. John Wilkerson and I, who I love, we used to joke around. Do you remember the Europe song, the the final countdown? yes. We used to always say during that season, even though they were winning, Caleb, it had the feel that this was it. Jerry Green was ready to go. He got his golden parachute money. And we used to always joke around. We would say the final meltdown. And that is exactly what that <laughs> season was. And it's sad because they had top five nationwide talent. They had, they did. They were a complete team
0: that year. That was Kevin O'Neill's recruits, Plus, that class that Jerry Green landed in 99, the one with Slade that was so good, and that combination, they were both – that was a fully experienced team that should have gone way further. Sidebar, because um, we've had him on – I think you've interviewed him before. He covers LSU now, Ron Higgins. Love
4: uh, Ron Higgins.
0: So he wrote for the Commercial Appeal for about 20, 29 years.
4: Yep. Yep. And um, we, sat to, we sat next to each other in the press box every week.
0: Okay, so there's an article from 2007 you should read. I don't know how true this is, but you brought up Tony Harris. Um, as, I don't know if you know Larry Finch at Memphis. That was one of the big things that got him fired. He was a Memphis guy, took them to the national title in the 70s, was their head coach, got Penny Hardaway. Losing Tony Harris to Tennessee was the thing that got him fired. Wow. anything else. Because he started losing play- – he lost Todd Day to Arkansas earlier in the 90s. And then he lost Tony Harris, Robert O'Kelly, and Corey Bradford all in the same year in out of Memphis.
4: Man, Tony Harris, okay, and I would say this to him if he were sitting right next to me. He had some attitude issues, okay? And when he took off in street clothes to participate in a fight, the late Gary Lundy called him a punk, and that got turned into a racial slur somehow, and Doug Dickey had a press conference addressing it. It was the most absurd thing that I've ever seen. It gave Jerry Green a vote of confidence, but... <clears throat> I will see this about Tony Harris. He did some of it to himself. He had an attitude issue, but man, you talk about snake bit. When they did the midnight madness thing, he comes out. Tennessee had never done that. Pack crowd at Thompson Bowling Arena. I went as a fan with my buddy because he was a huge basketball fan. I didn't cover it because yeah, he was, he liked Duke and he wanted Tennessee to be good. So they had a team to root for. And Tony Harris comes out first dunk bruises his heel. Okay, so what was his last shot at Tennessee? It was against Charlotte. He literally hit the bottom of the backboard. He hit the pad on the backboard, his final shot with Tennessee down two. I'm sure you remember that shot. My final vision of Tony Harris, Tennessee Sports Information Department, completely turned their back on him. They were not going to protect him. I said, well, Tony's got to talk. And they said, well, that's on you. So I led a group of media members back into the showers, literally, Caleb, to try to get some sort of quote and he's sitting in a shower stall with his head down and wouldn't talk that's not the way his career should have gone he needed how about this how about this reference a larry brown type to be a leader instead of a jerry green type to be a
0: leader. yeah no i i agree which funny enough larry finch in memphis would have been because he the players <laughs> respected him. that's right and, and um I would just say, it. the the Higgins article I was going to quote, there was a 2007 article he wrote on Finch, and apparently because Finch took over for Dana Kirk, and Dana Kirk had a bunch of recruiting issues at Memphis in the 80s, so Finch refused to pay or cheat or do any of that. There's a quote from from a source close to Finch in that article that basically says Finch was losing players because some of them were coming to him, and they said a particular school in the Mid-South, a particular SEC school in the Mid-South, came to fin- a player who committed there came to finish and basically said there was all but there was all but an offer sheet from them. I don't know if that's Kevin O'Neill offering Tony Harris something, but it was a yeah. little it was a little weird that Tony Harris would have committed to Tennessee during that time when Tennessee was such a downtrodden program.
4: Man, I sound like a hypocrite. I would have cheated more back then. The SEC and the NCAA weren't looking at basketball. They just cared about football. You could have cheated left and right.
0: Oh, I agree, and that's why. It, it, isn't it weird to you that Kevin O'Neal got that huge, amazing recruiting class in '97?
4: Because yeah, playing slow ball. Yes, playing yeah. slow ball. I mean, in
0: Tennessee having having not not having had a winning record in ten years at the time, and you get this recruiting class with like Isaiah Victor and Tony Harris. No, not Isaiah Victor. Was it Charles Hathaway or CJ? Yeah, Pat Hathaway. Yes. Yeah, uh, Tony Harris. A couple of other guys. I mean just a little weird
4: very weird all right let's get to it uh today's tough question brought to you by andy mason real estate go to andy mason realestate.com today's tough question off the sports
3: today's tough question take a side take a stand the dave hooker show a presentation of off the hook sports.com is
4: tennessee the best Program in the nation to never make it to a final four. Your thoughts on the message board, yay or nay. I'll give you some other examples. Brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate.com. Andy Mason Real Estate.com has over 40 years of experience right there in their office. Andy Mason is incredible and he'll get you the right home. He'll sell your home and it'll save you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars because of the experience, best prices. Best service in the industry. It's that simple. You threw this question out there. I did my research and wow, you could make an argument for Tennessee. So, some teams I'll throw out there BYU, Xavier, Missouri, Utah State, Alabama, which could change this year. We'll see. I don't think they've got the wherewithal to make it that far. Creighton, Boston College, Miami. Murray State, Arizona State, Tulsa, another team that has never made the Final Four, Weber State, uh, New Mexico, UAB, Vanderbilt, which surprised me a little bit. I guess I should have known that. Davidson with Steph Curry never made it. Texas A and M, uh, Ohio, uh, Pepperdine, Old Dominion, San Diego State, uh, George Washington. So there are a lot of teams on here that place some- a. Uh, more of an emphasis on basketball than Tennessee, who's always going to be a football first school. But you talk about funding and the fact that Tennessee hasn't made the final four, that all the schools I just listed, Tennessee has as much or more funding than all of those schools across the board for athletic department. So I don't know what direction you're going, but as far as the best, program to not make a final four considering funding i will go ahead and say yes they're they're not xavier they don't have that sort of panache in basketball at least they didn't 20 years ago but yeah for the funding that's been behind them i will i'll I'll, I'll play ball there i think that they should have made the final four at some point surely to goodness
0: yeah i think they're the best program too when you talk about program size and their history i mean tennessee's got a history of Look, I mean, Bernard King and Allen Houston and Dale Ellis—those are three all-star caliber players. Bernard King, if not for an injury, probably should be in the Hall of Fame. And yes, you know, I and- think
4: he still should be. But uh, you know, he was pretty good after the injury, especially considering the injuries in the what 1980, where you didn't have medical technology. Nowadays, we're like ACL. Oh, we'll rub some dirt on that; you'll be fine. Uh, but he broke his leg and was still pretty good after it so that to me um no, i'm i'm with you i mean those are some big time names
0: yeah some major names you're right and then um so i i i i do i think that it's i think tennessee's the best i think missouri probably has a case i'm not fully adept on missouri's basketball history but i know that they um wasn't gene keady the coach there was that Purdue where he was the coach? that's right he had
4: an incredible come over
0: incredible come over what does that mean oh come over come over
4: come over no basketball reference at all there caleb but um no you look at those other schools the Xavier's of the world place more of an emphasis on basketball because they know they can't compete in football but based off funding alone i mean that's that's a pretty easy argument to to make that tennessee's the best program to never make the final four But they may do it this year, Caleb. I know you believe.
0: Oh, gosh. No, I don't believe at all. (laughs) But I will say, had they actually put any effort in coaching hires up until before 2005, I think we would have a different conversation right now. I think had they – I look back at the candidates they could have hired when they hired Jerry Green and Buzz Peterson. And I'm just like, people like Greg Marshall were out there. People like Bill Self were out there. And you go for Buzz Peterson. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Well, even the guy that had a long career at Vanderbilt. Kevin Stallings? Kevin Stallings. That would have been a boring team to watch. They were boring, but he had success at Vanderbilt, and they had him hired. I don't know if you remember, but Kevin Stallings was on the front of the Knoxville News Sentinel as the next coach of Tennessee basketball. That was written by Mike Strange at the time. And there was one little issue is that Doug Dickey went for the final interview, and Doug Dickey went, in another room to take a phone call from Jerry green. And there was uh, thrown out of the Stallings household because Mrs. Stallings was listening to the phone call through the door. I think oh, i mentioned Lord. that story to you before, right? Yeah, I
0: think you did. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, I know that Jerry green was like, they rushed to get him. It was like, it wasn't not rushed to get him, I'm Sorry. They had, they settled for him on accident. They didn't really, he was not their top choice, by at all.
4: I will say this, the funniest thing about Jerry Green, and there were a lot of funny things about his tenure at Tennessee, including the Kmart, go rent your VCR tapes at uh, Kmart. But the best thing was when I got a text from a coach, he said, you need to look up when Jerry Green was hired at Oregon. And I, it took forever. That was before YouTube had every single video known to man. I feel like they have the, my first steps on YouTube nowadays. But he's introduced, and they said, now I bring you Jerry Green. And he goes, I am so, so pleased, so honored. Can't believe that I have been hired by the University of. And he forgot the name of the school. And somebody, and I swear to you, it's out there. Somebody goes,
1: Oregon.
4: And he goes, the University of Oregon. That's right. (laughs) But one of his assistant coaches sent me that. I don't know if Josh is too young to remember that. Josh Ward of the Sports Animal joins us now. Do you remember that video in which Jerry Green couldn't remember which school hired him? Josh, good morning. We're having trouble with Josh's audio. I think we're having trouble with your audio. And Are we all locked in there? Try again, Josh.
5: So, Dave, there do you, you know are. if it there you are? There you are. Th- does it work better when the mic is turned on or off? <laughs> which is which is the more effective method? Is is that a better introduction than Jerry Green's or worse? Which <laughs> I remember my first day in radio. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet Jerry Green wishes that day that his mic wasn't working so nobody could hear that he didn't know where he was working well the mic uh, wasn't
0: working when rick Rick Barnes was hired who remembers that press conference
5: the the mic had issues that day as well but yeah the the fear at the time because remember things could have been going better for ut athletics at the time was that oh no this is not a good sign of what's to come (laughs) but things have actually gone better for tennessee athletics since then so uh, it's not always an indication of what's happening next
4: well i'll I'll ask you today's tough question brought to you by annie mason real estate go to com. say thousands or tens of thousands. Is Tennessee the best team or is Tennessee the best basketball program to never reach a final four? There are other programs that have big time funding like Alabama. There are some like Xavier that place more of an emphasis on uh, basketball. But it is a little bit stunning with all the names that you go back in Tennessee history that they have not made the final four once. Josh, does that not blow you away a little bit? Besides seeing how things have played
5: out, uh, yeah, it, it is a little stunning considering the resources. They've had good coaches. They've had some great players along the way, and they've had opportunities. Sweet 16 appearances where you could very easily see two more wins to get to the final four. They have the one Elite Eight appearance where it came down to the very end and almost got in, but uh yeah, considering how good Tennessee actually has been a number of times and how many good players they've had, and the money that is put into Tennessee basketball overall, yeah, you would think that they would get there considering other programs like VCU can get there and George Mason can get there. Then, yeah, you would think Tennessee could get there at some point.
4: And some big names. Caleb, go ahead and jump in there. When you start talking about different decades of uh, Ernie and Bernie and all of those guys and Caleb mentioned them before you came on, I mean, there's just an awful lot of history, Caleb, for Tennessee not to – to make the, the tournament. And some of that history, as, as we talked about, was under Jerry Green. So, But um, at least he knew where he was hired. So go ahead, Caleb. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, and one of the things that really stands out is Tennessee Thompson Bowling is one of the five biggest arenas in college basketball. Um, and there's a, of the four ahead of them, one of them is a football arena, the Carrier Dome. And so that doesn't really even count by the way, my condolences to Brent Axe. What ESPN Syracuse did was was disgraceful. Just wanted to throw that out there to fire somebody for being too critical of the program. Um, but anyways, <laughs> um, what Tennessee has a top five arena that was larger than Rupp for a long time until recently. I think um, they have. You're right. A lot of resources, a lot of tradition, a lot of great players. And I think Josh brought up a great point. An incredible set of opportunities to get to the national title. I mean, I don't think. I don't know if the program will ever get over that 2000 loss to North Carolina because that, I mean, it was the red carpet to the national championship game was laid out because had they beat, had they beaten North Carolina, they would have played Tulsa in the elite eight. Then they would have played Florida in the final four and they had swept Florida that year. So I just, you know, that talk about opportunities wasted.
4: By the way, Josh, that's Mark Packer's fault because he came up to me and, said, it looks like Tennessee's going to beat North Carolina. And at that very moment, <laughs> we were on the sideline. At that very moment, Brandon Haywood got in foul trouble. In comes this guy named Julius Peppers. You're like, wow, he's got a lot of muscles. Yeah. And the next thing you know, that game flip-flopped as soon as Mark Packer said that. It's his fault. Yeah, see – that's ahead of this
5: time today. If Mark Packer were to do that, that's when you immediately pull out your phone and you bet on the other side because you know <laughs> that has just completely jinxed. That's that's roses in the mouth 01 after a win against Florida. Move like, ah, I don't know about this move here, but uh, and it, you know, that's part of it. Like, I think Tennessee fans feel like there's just this snake bit issue with the tournament for whatever reason. Recent history would include. Kyle Alexander's injury against Loyola Chicago, where you want to talk about a road to the Final Four. Loyola Chicago took it after beating Tennessee in that second-round matchup. Uh, The Purdue game with the questionable call there late in the game uh, just a few years ago with Lamonte Turner's foul. So they've had opportunities to get there. I already mentioned the Elite Eight. The Jarnell Stokes play late against Michigan. If you win that game, you're in the Elite Eight and just needing to win one more to go to the Final Four. So they've had... They've had shots. They've had teams. Sometimes, though, when Tennessee's made the run, they didn't enter the tournament getting all kinds of buzz. The the Elite Eight team was a six seed. The team that played against Michigan in the Sweet 16 in in 2014 was in the play-in round as an 11 seed. But upsets along the way, like going into this tournament, we're talking about Duke in the next round, which could be the matchup for sure, but it's not guaranteed. There's a chance they get upset, just like Georgetown as a three seed got upset in 2010
4: by Ohio. when Tennessee
5: was a six seed, yeah by Ohio so uh, Mercer upset Duke speaking of Duke in that 2014 <coughs> round so you never know what the matchups are going to be and often Tennessee as the underdog which actually it isn't by the odds makers here but by the mood of the fan base right now the mood of the fan base is not here we go final four this year and I'm not saying it's going to happen but typically a lot of the success has come when it was not expected
0: we also forgot about one big heartbreak, the 20-point blown lead against Ohio State in the 2007 Sweet 16 when they were up on Greg Oden and Mike Conley by 20 points, and then Ohio State came back and won and then went to the national title game. Ouch.
5: Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah fa- fans, great. they had a little bit of room left on their list of heartbreaks, so we were able to <laughs> squeeze that one in for them too.
0: I think a lot of people got over that game because like, you knew everybody was coming back the next year, and you knew yeah. that – that team was going to be loaded but like looking back it's like wow that 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 team would have gone well to the
3: final
5: game. yeah that team went on so <laughs> speaking of roadmaps it, it was right there and then the next year is when tennessee was the number one team in the country and they have chris lofton uh, not known at the time but battling through cancer but they get to that sweet 16 matchup against louisville and it was just a matchup nightmare they had a bunch of guys that were 6-6 to 6-9 that were long headed to the nba because of of their measurables and that was just a bad matchup for Tennessee which was smaller in the backcourt and uh that one of the great teams in Tennessee basketball history
4: ran into a roadblock that was not going to allow it to move on yeah we wouldn't even mention southwest Missouri State or the game before that that gets overlooked I think it was a 45 to 41 win over Delaware that set basketball back about eight decades <laughs> that was awful <laughs> to have to drive to Charlotte and see that so not to put you on the spot, Josh's appearance is brought to you by Azul Beer, the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports, xulbeer.com. Worldwide award-winning craft beer, and they've got parking in downtown Knoxville, which you don't hear from that a lot. But what is the most heartbreaking loss? I want to ask both you guys. Josh, let me, let me start with you. To me, the Southwest Missouri State was one that, it was a 30-point loss to a directional school at a very talented team that Delaware should have gotten their attention in the opening round. That, to me, is still the heartbreaker. So let me throw this out to both of you. What is Tennessee's worst loss and best win in, the in NCAA league. tournament history? I'll give you guys both time to think about it. Josh, throw one out there. I'll go Southwest Missouri State. Yeah, uh,
5: I still think the Elite Eight loss because – that is your shot at the Final Four. And the run was so fun, and it came down to the very end. Missed free throw, then uh, play in transition for Michigan State, and they're able to score, and game's over, and your season's over. Instead of going to the Final Four, which moments later you thought had a really good chance to do. So to me, because of how close Tennessee was and the first actual opportunity to go to the Final Four, and to this point still the only final four we wouldn't be having this conversation if the game goes the other <laughs> way we wouldn't be talking about can you believe tennessee's never been to the final four and if they had played in it who knows what would have happened after that so uh, i would have to go with the michigan state
4: loss in the elite eight yeah i'll i'll get and i'm also gonna my second, though, is that damn Mark Packer game.
5: Well, <laughs> I'm not- Was that because of the game or because of the trip you were going to be able to potentially take that year because that of your was, travel plans? <laughs> that,
3: was, that was it. Like I When was- you bring
5: up 01 LSU, Dave, you, you have to make sure the audience knows that you're not worried about whether Tennessee was going to the national no. title game. You're upset because your trip to Pasadena got canceled. No,
4: the Marriott Manhattan Beach was booked. Yeah. At halftime. I'm the one that messed all of that up. But so. then
0: you got to go to Disney World.
4: <laughs> I'm just, yeah, that place is hell on earth. Um, have you done the Disney World thing with the kids yet, Josh?
5: No, we have not. Uh we will fairly say we actually have a, a semi-advantage to the typical uh the typical setup there is we have we have family about an hour away, so we can we can do a day trip instead of having to book this long trip just to disney world we can go visit family and then work in disney world so we'll be fine once we do that
4: i had free tickets um working for espn and i remember being there and paying 50 dollars to park and my daughter said can we go someplace closer like dollywood (laughs) Uh, i just wanted to absolutely rip my steering wheel out of the mount and throw it out of the car all right so uh, Caleb, what's the what's the best win? Let me start with you, and I'll go to Josh. What's the best win for Tennessee in the NCAA tournament?
0: Well, just to disagree with both y'all real quick. My worst loss is still that Ohio State game, but to the in 2007. But because that the Michigan State game, they that was a back and forth. Ohio State, they they had no business losing. They were up by 20. But as far as the best win, I think it's the Ohio State win to, uh, three years later when they got or two years later when they got revenge um, when they got to their first Elite Eight. That was a thrilling back and forth. Ohio State was a two seed. Evan Turner was the clear cut number two pick in the NBA draft behind John Wall. And JP Prince has a clean block, one of the most beautiful blocks you'll ever see on an attempted game tying three. And Tennessee goes to the first sweet eight. So yeah, 2010 versus Ohio State. Tennessee's a six seed. Ohio State's a two seed. Tennessee wins in the
4: sweet sixteen. So Josh, what do you think? Best win uh, for Tennessee in the tournament
5: yeah, so that Ohio State win would have been on my list uh because of the stage and uh, the high profile players on Ohio State side with Evan Turner. So that's a good one. um best wins i'm I'm trying to think of w- what should count here. uh, they didn't go because part of the issue is we always know that the end still ends up being disappointing for wherever they they get to, even if it's the sweet sixteen. So uh, I'm gonna say Chris Lofton shot uh when Tennessee was trying to avoid the upset. You have uh, Dame Bradshaw inbounding the ball to Chris Lofton, kind of curling around, I believe, takes the pass in the corner and falling away, hits that shot to avoid the upset, and they fell the next round. But uh, that, to me, would be an all-time shot from one of your all-time best players in the NCAA tournament. So the, the run did not go as far as they hoped, but that spot was memorable for Tennessee fans.
4: Well, yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that game. It took me a second to remember the opponent. Yeah, and it would have been an upset. Um, So Tennessee's best win, do we all agree? Because I'm with Josh. That's one I was going to pick, that Tennessee's best win is avoiding a major upset by falling out of bounds three-pointer in the corner when Caleb's picked those
5: good like i i might go that over mine i'm trying to go with a maybe a backup option here but to, so much of the tournament is you remember the shot itself right it's difficult to remember a lot of the games in terms of 40 minutes of action what happened because it, there's so much back and forth back and forth so you remember late that's why the the JP Prince block uh comes to mind in that spot so i that's that's well stated so i that might be my my preferred pick but Chris Lofton the shot to because Sometimes it's what you avoided. If Tennessee had lost the game, now that's all of a sudden one of your more heartbreaking losses ever as a big favorite losing that early, that would have been bad.
0: Well, that team was so, I remember, I remember that team. They were so, that was Bruce Pearl's first team. And there was no, they were running what, seven guys
5: all year. They were so tired. Yeah. We we talked to Dane Bradshaw about that on our radio show. Not long ago, it was when Chris Lofton was being honored uh, at the Kentucky game back in January and kind of talked about how, you know, that might have run out of gas at that point in that season because there was so much excitement during the season and they were playing above their heads in terms of expectations. Uh, but it was also the season where we found out this Chris Lofton guy might end up leaving as a very special player in Tennessee history. So that shot added to what fans can remember about him is why I still think the win matters.
4: Well, guys, when you think about it, not, not to interrupt the flow here, but Lofton – had it not been for the cancer issue that I thought zapped his energy and and maybe does the desire to to be that 110% committed player. I don't know. I mean, I haven't talked to him, but it definitely zapped his energy that last year at, at Tennessee. Wouldn't he have been a great fit in the NBA where you can shoot it from wherever you want to. I mean, maybe a little bit ahead of that curve, but uh, I just, I, I feel for Chris often because I think his potential, Josh wasn't, wasn't fully reached for, for factors way out of his control
5: yeah it's unfair uh one just the cancer battle that he had to go sure. through uh I would say in terms of his desire like the idea of red shirting was there but he he knew how good that team was going to be and he wanted to play and the the previous year I think he considered at least entering the NBA draft but then he finds out he has cancer and knows he can't go through the draft process he has to go battle cancer during the offseason uh but also timing yeah, the the game shortly thereafter expanded literally so much to the outside shot mattering and the ability to pull up or hit shots from wherever being emphasized. Well, Chris would have been able to provide that. So I don't know if he would have had an NBA career, but he would have had a more fair shot in the NBA a few years later because of what his skill set was.
4: Yeah. When I, when I say desire, I was thinking about the, the next year as he's preparing for the NBA, I mean, you have to be 110% committed athlete. And I don't know. I, I mean, I, I thought Charles Hathaway way back in the day, the blood clot medicine affected what he was able to do. I don't know if that affected Lofton or not. At the end of the day, somebody probably should have sat down with him and said, you need a red shirt. You have cancer for goodness sake. Right. That'd been best for all parties involved.
5: I mean, maybe but you know they, they got to number one and they they had a yeah. they, I mean they had a terrific season uh they they still you know chris was you know he wasn't a six five guard you know he still had the size that he had and same for Juwan Smith. so that's why when people talk about matchups in the tournament that is a perfect example they matched up with Louisville if if they play somebody else that doesn't have that kind of talent and once you get the sweet 16 there are no easy games I recognize but from a matchup standpoint, Tennessee just didn't have a shot. I remember going to the practices leading up to the Sweet 16 and looking at Louisville in person. They had Terrence Williams um, Clark was a maybe freshman six nine guy that was a first round pick. He's like uh, Tennessee's not going to be able to go around these guys, and they couldn't. So you know they play a different team. Maybe history is different for Tennessee there, and and the story. It's incredible. If you're talking about what we know after the fact about Chris Lofton, what he had to battle through, and during the season we're running, what's going on with him? But you know, Tennessee still had talent. They had uh, Tyler Smith, who was you know, a high-level talent player at, uh, in college, and Wayne Chisholm was a, a solid college player who has had a nice pro career overseas. If they run into a different team, they might win, and then they might make the Final Four, and it's the best season in Tennessee basketball history with no competitive second.
0: Josh, uh, I want to ask one question about this game, but I just want to point out for history purposes, because we all have to be fair to games we didn't watch it's, as the history major here. The game I brought up yesterday, Dave, Dale Ellis apparently had a game winner in 1981 to send Tennessee to its first Sweet 16 ever to beat VCU. That's probably on the list. It's just none of us remember it. <laughs> um, uh, but Josh, as far as uh, this game tonight against Louisiana, you know, I, we were talking about how efficient they are at shooting the three ball is Tennessee going to be able to effectively handle this inside out game though because Jordan Brown seems like he's such a th- he I don't know how he's not playing on a major power 5 program given his size and his skill set.
5: Yeah, I mean he he did and uh showed that he could play at that level. Now he's dominated in the Sunbelt with the numbers he put up. Tennessee better uh but they're not Talk, talking about Louisiana, they're not prolific uh, from the outside, but they are efficient. And if they're left open to hit shots, Williams, a senior guard who's 6'3", that can really shoot, shot 40% from three this season. If he gets open looks, he's going to hit them most likely. So uh, Tennessee needs to be locked in with its perimeter defense. The post players, it's what I included in the column at the beginning of the week, don't worry about scoring. I mean, Olivier needs to hit some shots, but you need to defend, need to rebound effectively for 40 minutes because if you do then Louisiana is probably not going to have enough opportunities but if Brown's able to do everything that he was able to in the Sun Belt in this game and they're able to get some open shots and they get some second chance looks then you could be in the middle of the game and have a fight on your hands if Tennessee plays well enough on offense and rebounds the basketball and takes care of the ball then I don't think Louisiana has enough to keep up with Tennessee but if they have extra opportunities if Tennessee does have turnover issues and they Uh, do have players out of position on defense that leads to a few extra easy buckets for Louisiana, and then they don't rebound, then uh, Tennessee could get upset in this game.
4: Josh, last thing. We have been practicing because uh, people don't identify if they're ripping me or Caleb, except sometimes I get the old Mm -hmm. guy, which is nice. And so – Um, One of us is struggling with uh, Nico's name, and I don't know who that is, Caleb. Is that you or me? That's you. (laughs) It's it's so you. That is so you. such a bull. All right, so Josh, how are you doing? Much like Tua Tunga Viola, it is important that we get this name right going into the season. So let me hear your thoughts, and then we'll hear Nico's thoughts if you're doing it the right way. Yeah, uh,
5: I do okay with it. Uh, talking fast sometimes, which I tend to do, I can I can stumble. But
4: Nico <laughs> Iamaleava. Okay, let's check with Nico.
3: Iamaleava.
4: Pretty close. Josh may have done the best out of everybody that would say it one more time. Josh. Nico Iamaleava.
3: Iamaleava.
4: I think I did pretty well. I think you might have an extra vowel though.
5: Iamaleava. There you didn't, but
4: you had another vowel a second ago. E Is that E-a-male-a-va.
5: six? E
3: male ava. I think you nailed it.
4: Yeah, Josh, have a fantastic day. Listen to him on the Sports Animal from noon to three because you don't know who will be on at other times. He is Josh Ward. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, Josh. Are you taking the rest of the day off for the tournament? Uh, you mean like after my show, or are you asking if I'm
5: yeah. skipping my show? No, after your show. Uh, I will watch some some basketball, but I will also be uh, I'll be doing a little daycare pickup, probably. Happy birthday to my youngest. She's won today, so we've got a big celebration today. Nora! So, yeah, she's won. That is, that? that is awesome. Yep, fastest year of my life. It is complete.
4: It's crazy. It gets worse. Thank you, Josh. Yep, thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Josh Ward of the Sports Animal, he's fantastic, and I think he's done the best of our... Uh, Nico name challenge that we will continue brought to you by Campbell Cunningham Taylor and Han. You'll notice I'm not wearing glasses. I'm also not wearing contacts. Thanks to Campbell Cunningham Taylor and Han local vision that is absolutely through the w- roof. The vision care is unbelievable. Cataract surgery, LASIK surgery, or just the daily, weekly, yearly eye exam. You got any sort of issues, they'll take care of you. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn in Knoxville. They are phenomenal. Coming up, we're gonna switch gears for a second. We're gonna preview Tennessee's offensive line, and then we'll get to Ron Slay. So a lot going on. Hang tight back in a couple minutes off the Oak Sports. Hit that like button, please. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I wanna be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us, Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater.
2: Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today.
3: Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassy here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and
5: you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassie's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing
3: three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTI's
2: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Have you downloaded the app
4: yet? If not, you need to do so. Be sure and turn those notifications on because I give you a, for instance, we had the ball report with Cooper Mays go up yesterday. So if you didn't have your notifications on, you might have missed that. So wherever you get your podcast, we encourage you to do so. Ron Slay coming up just a little bit later on the program to give us a preview of Louisiana and Tennessee first round matchup. Which the ball should win about a 10 point spread, but who knows? It is March. Hit that thumbs up button, the like button. We greatly appreciate it. We're with you each and every morning at 10 a.m. live replays throughout the evening and the next morning. So, except for tomorrow morning, because it would be very dated for us to talk about the Louisiana game before and then after the Louisiana game. So, that wouldn't make much sense. But go ahead and turn those notifications on. Take the time to do it now. You'll be glad that you did. And we've got Big, big things coming up. I mentioned last week the Celebrate 98 uh, series that we're going to have. And somebody asked me, what players and coaches are you going to have on? And I said, all of them. All of them. Yes. If, If they're still on the face of the earth, we will have all of them. If they started or they were a key coach, all of them. Fred White and I get a chance to work together. We're excited about that. and. Uh, Caleb Calhoun, by the way, we've got a pretty neat feature that we're working with uh, in which Caleb is actually really good at picking uh, games, which I don't say that about a lot of people because I think uh, betting is a losing proposition. But Caleb's good. And I think we're going to start a partnership here shortly where he will make you money. And how about that? That's pretty cool. So oh, will,
0: I will make you lose your money. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you, you'll miss yeah, Well, you will <laughs> at least
4: you will at least make the people more educated whether or not they lose their money or win their money.
0: Yeah, it's basically I am increasing your odds.
4: Yes. And if he doesn't, at least you're more <laughs> informed than you <laughs> would have been otherwise, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm
0: kidding, guys, obviously. Just wanted to just wanted to troll y'all. <laughs>
4: so do you do you want to do running backs or do you want to do offensive line today? We both got them on off the hooksports.com spring preview starts Monday. You you make the call cuz I can do either one. I'm ready to roll.
0: Let's jump in with running backs. It's a little bit of a unique position just because uh, everybody's back.
4: Okay. Love it. Let's go uh, running backs a spring practice preview. Brought to you by our friends at Craft Treats. They bring you four downs brought to you by crafttreats.com. Go to crafttreats.com, use a promo code off the hook, promo code off the hook. Four downs is now. Um,
3: who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, who? a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, what? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. four. Downs. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com.
4: All right, so four downs about Tennessee's running backs, brought to you by CraftTreats.com. CraftTreats.com. Use the promo code OffTheHook for the chill pills or any of their products there, and you'll have a happier pet. With the chill pills, they've got the CBD-infused uh, treats, that will help with your pet's digestive issues. Uh, will also help with your uh, pet's arthritis issues. It does that for me and my pet. Uh, Thaddeus is very happy when he takes his chill pills and also with just anxiety, which I know a lot of people deal with uh, with their pets. Uh, so there we go. It is crafttreats.com. use a promo code off the hook for 20% off off the hook. All right. four downs. As I want to talk Tennessee tailbacks, it's an interesting position because you have Jabari small and, uh, um, you would think that he's the guy that's going to come in and handle the majority of the carries, but I'm not so sure it's that simple with a Dylan Sampson pushing and a Dylan Sampson having some more explosiveness. And also Jalen Wright was actually Tennessee's leading rusher, which might surprise you if you didn't follow the stats. So, Let me start with uh, first down. And that will be who will be UT's leading rusher in attempts? In attempts. And the reason I ask it like that is because Jabari Small ran for 157 times for 734 yards. Wright rushed for 875 yards on 146 attempts. So Wright didn't get as many touches like Jabari did, but he actually averaged more yards per carry. So who gets more attempts? Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, Dylan Sampson, or a player to be named later? I think it's still Jabari Small. Look, Jalen
0: Wright and Dylan Sampson are both uh, more – they're going to be bigger playmakers. But the question becomes the workhorse – and we, you and I know this about Josh Heibel's offense. Despite its tempo, despite its emphasis on the quarterback and the skill players, there's a physicality factor that matters. So you still want to workhorse back to a certain degree. And Jabari Small is the guy that can do that. So I think Jabari Small, Jabari Small is the only one that can be a playmaker and is also capable of getting you 20 to 25 carries a game.
4: Okay. I think he is going to be the leading rusher as far as attempts because I think he's the closest thing they have to a power back in short yardage. So <clears throat> I will say, yes, that he will be the leader in attempts. Now, who will be the leader in yardage, which was actually Jalen Wright last year?
0: Uh, I still think it's going to be Jalen Wright. I still think it's going to be Jalen Wright. I think Jalen Wright's still... You know what, though? No, I'm go- I'm taking it back. I think Dylan Sampson is going to start splitting more reps with Jalen Wright. I think- so I think by default, Jabari Small is going to actually get the most yards this year. But I don't think... I think Sampson and Wright together will average... Each of them will average more yards per carry than Small. And together, they'll have significantly more yards than Small. I just think that by default, Small, Small is going to have more yards than them. Because for what... He's the only back to do what, who's there to do what, Josh, to play that role that Josh Hypo needs him to play.
4: No, I like Dylan Sampson a lot. Um, fifty-eight carries last season. This is third down. Will he have a hundred or more this season? He had fifty-eight last year. I'm putting the over under at ninety-nine point five. Will you take the over or the under? You're a gambling analyst. Easily the over easy yeah, I think so the
0: biggest thing that held samson back last year for people who are interested is that he wasn't great in run block and pass blocking we saw that against lsu where he allowed that fumble what the minute a running back picks that up that's the only reason he did that's the same reason jamal lewis was held out the first four games in 97 and that would that's a big part of playing running back i think samson's going to pick that up this offseason
4: yes uh, i agree he should be fine with that Physically, I wonder if he has the stature to really help out and pass pro. We'll see. But I think that he's the type of electric player that we're going to see really shine out of the backfield. I'm not taking anything away from right or small, but I just don't think there's that type of explosion there. Travis says three running backs, 100 carries is a lot. Yes, so Travis is taking the under. But I'm I'm with Caleb here. I believe that when you look at the the – So let's say roughly there are 350 carries to go around before we get to fourth down. So 350 carries to go around. I could see Jabari small getting a buck 50. I could see Jalen Wright who had 146 last year, getting about a hundred and I could see Dylan Sampson getting about a hundred. That's how I would break it down. If you asked me as of today.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much right there with you on that. I like I like to try to disagree with you for our show sometimes, but in this situation, I can't.
4: Be genuine. You're crushing it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the last one, fourth down, uh, four downs again. Brought to you by Craft Treats. Use the promo code off the hook, and they'll take care of your pet. Great holistic medicine, CBD choices as well. Fourth down. Will Jacob Warren, our own Jacob Warren, play the power back position at fullback? much like Princeton Fant did last year.
0: No, because Khalifa Keith is there. But he's not there till the summer. Yeah, okay. What do you have to learn playing a power
4: back? Hey, it's pretty take-
0: easy. <laughs> that <laughs> may be the easiest thing you ever have to know.
4: It's pretty much A or B gap.
0: Yes, hence the reason you can put, remember 2012, and <laughs> put A.J. <laughs> Johnson in there at power back?
4: Oh, I almost forgot that. Yes, and and Keith too is like uh, already at 230 pounds, so I think so too. I think I hate saying that about a freshman who's coming in in the summer, Caleb, but I think he steps in there. I think that the interesting thing is going to be you're going to hear about Samson in the first two weeks. I'll go ahead and tell you what's going to happen in spring practice because I've been around a lot of these things. So assuming Samson is healthy, you're going to hear about him a lot in the first couple weeks because they know what they got in small and right, so they're not going to push those guys. And then two weeks deep, you might hear about somebody else. I don't know who that somebody else is. He might be a walk-on, but they'll try to give a guy some pub because you don't have to run a bunch of the tread off the tires of small and right. You know what you've got. You'll find out what you've got with Dylan Samson about halfway through and at that point, honestly, with what you have returning, you can take your foot off the pedal with these running backs. I mean, there's no need to run somebody out there and get them hurt. I could go back to the days of Kirsten Biggers, Michael Stewart, who went to Hawaii and actually had a pretty good career. There are a ton of tailbacks who were spring tailbacks. And I don't know who that guy's going to be, but you're going to have a spring tailback by the orange and white game that everybody's going to get excited about, but it's not going to play very much in the fall. Caleb, that's just the way football works.
0: Yeah, particularly, specifically with running backs. I mean, it's, it's really hard to, again, I mean, everybody was excited about Ontario Smith back in 2000. And I, I believe
4: some but people... That was, for, that was, he was for real, though.
0: No, I know, but I believe some people thought, remember this, 2000, after Travis Henry left, running back was supposed to be a weakness the year Travis Stevens was going to be the feature back. And I think a lot of people thought Ontario Smith was going to be the better back than Travis Stevens. And then Ontario Smith transfers and Travis Stevens sets the all time rushing record, largely because of the best offensive line
2: ever. But
4: (laughs) well, I'll be honest with you. I I thought that Ontario Smith was going to be a superstar. And I thought that Travis Stevens was a little bit slight of frame. Oh, I did, too. I I didn't think anybody thought he
0: could handle that like that Arkansas game where he carried it 41 times. I don't think anybody thought he was capable of doing that.
4: Yeah, and then the next year you had, boy, you talk about a hornet's nest. That may have been the worst hornet's nest that Tennessee ever walked into, and that was at Arkansas. You had Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, and ESPN Game Day was in Arkansas for the first time ever, and they ran all kinds of trick plays in the first half. I mean, Tennessee could have played their – they had to play their A-plus game that day to win because Arkansas was so – so ready, you just it's rare you have a feel before a game sitting in a press box, like oh man,
0: you better survive. Uh, Eric Gaines wasn't starting that game either. Because remember, to when Cutcliffe called a quarterback draw, uh, to run out the clock against South Carolina, and Eric Gaines got hurt.
4: <laughs> yeah, that that of, of all the games that Tennessee stepped into that Arkansas game that year felt like the biggest buzzsaw game, and I still remember. It felt like you saw shots of Darren McFadden's biceps each and every play. He had incredible biceps. Those are biceps to strive for. Do you recall those when he would do the the muscle thing?
0: I don't recall the muscle thing. I remember his biceps, though, because I remember, like, the way he ran and his speed and his shiftiness. I'm like, this is like if Reggie Bush – it's like Reggie Bush athleticism, but, like, way stronger. It's like yeah, if Reggie – Yeah,
4: yeah. I'm like 20 pounds bigger. Yeah, exactly.
0: It was – he was a freak in college. I mean, look, I thought he should have won the Heisman in 07 under, over Tim Tebow. I'm sorry. I thought Darren McFadden should have been the Heisman winner.
4: I wouldn't have hated that. That was before I had my vote, and I righted all the Heisman wrongs. So mm-hmm. now that I have a vote, everybody – I think I've only missed one. But I, I make different picks. Like Will Anderson a couple of years ago was on my final three. He should have been in New York City. He wasn't. But – no, they only
0: send defensive guys to New York City when a Tennessee quarterback is there. That, so. That's
4: right. All right, let's 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 bring the one, the only, Ron Slay in here. Love this guy. He's a superstar in the SEC Network. He's on 104.5 The Zone with Brent and Don. Great people, so check him out if you're in the Nashville area. Ron, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing good, man. How you guys doing?
4: Good. Good. Uh, good. I have to be honest with you, though. I feel for you a little bit. I've I've done both shifts. I've done morning. I've done afternoons in radio, and this is the one. These the two days, the Thursday and the Friday. You don't want to do afternoons. You just want to get <laughs> back and eat as many chicken wings as you
1: can. Yeah. That's the guess. What the good thing is, we we carry the um we carry the games. Oh so yes, yeah, so you're off. I'm off, baby. It's it's time to enjoy the games. I'm sitting back and chilling. Drinking and eating, baby. Drinking and eating. <laughs> but you'll still do <clears> – <throat> excuse me. You'll still do three to seven, right? No. Oh, so you're off-off. Yeah, we're off-off. Thursday and Friday, we're carrying all the games Um, with um Westwood 1. So they're carrying the games while, while we're on. And, hey <laughs> – more power to him, baby. I'll Let see you me, on Monday. Wait a second. <laughs> Let me
4: check my watch. I can be in Nashville in about an hour and forty-five minutes if I'm just Come saying.
1: on. Come on. Meet me at Party file. I am hosting a watch party though. So yeah, I'm I'll be there for a little while. Man, I got an open tab too, Dave. So come on, baby. An open tab. Well, I don't. I don't drink anymore, but I can eat a lot. You can drink a lot of water, baby. You can drink a lot of water. <laughs> right.
4: Um, uh, Ron, Tennessee, finish this sentence for me. <clears throat> Tennessee will win easily
1: tonight, which I think they will. Because why? You eliminate their their uh, main focus in Jordan Brown. You eliminate him with your four bodies that you have, and um keep him to what 6 points and 8 rebounds. I think that's a great job done um because that means you have to have Louisiana go to a different outlet, you know, and that's not their main their main source of output. Their offense is what keeps them rolling. And if you don't have Jordan Brown as the catalyst for that, then I think Louisiana's in trouble especially under those lights, you know, being a team that hasn't really been there so I think it's a it's an opportunity for Tennessee to take advantage of that, especially with the four bodies they got to throw at them.
0: Ron, it's it's a it's interesting to me. You brought up Jordan Brown because I look at this era, this Louisiana team. They remind me of like a mid-major version of Arizona, like mm-hmm. almost like a clone. Super efficient from three. They have an inside-out game. Is that good or bad news for Tennessee? They put up a fight against Arizona on the road earlier this yeah. year. So I, the- I would,
1: I would, I'd much rather have them playing a team like this with an inside outside threat instead of a spread offense where you got guys shooting from everywhere, where you got to get a do matched up with a stretch five or, um, Tobe running out and switching on point guards and, you know, having guys in mismatch situations. I would much rather have this because you know, guys are going to be able to play their natural positions. You know, we're Tennessee stills plays a, a natural, I mean, a natural, a traditional four and five in the games and you want to be able to continue with that so you don't want to have to have the bulk of the minutes go to josiah sliding down to the fourth spot you know you want to get as much rest for him as possible and cool with him being in a natural position at the three where he doesn't have to do a lot of banging and things of that nature so hopefully on the offensive end for tennessee you can take advantage and get some buckets too um where you don't have to go about being in, in a spread situation either. You want to put out your traditional style. So, I love I love this, this matchup, actually. I think we lost Caleb's mic. Caleb, did we lose your mic? Yes, you Caleb. did. I apologize. Come guys. on, Caleb. There it's March go. Madness and your mic's going crazy. <laughs> I remember my first time in radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second mic <laughs> failure today. I bored out
4: of mic failure with us. Just mm, second. Yeah. Hey, you look at your cup. Hold the cup
1: up. Oh yeah. You got 35? Yeah, via veil on other that. Oop. Can Oop. I get a 35 hey. cup?
0: Hey. Yeah, oh, look at that. I'll trade you a
4: hooker shirt, which is quickly becoming dated because Hendon's gone. A Shut hooker up. shirt for
1: a 35 cup. It can mean so many different things, Dave. <laughs> 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 looks like a Raiders cup <laughs> I'm going to my,
4: be honest
1: I went, I went neutral Caleb I went neutral I can take it anywhere <laughs> Um.
0: so uh, Rod, it's funny because you know, you know you're not supposed to look ahead but I do mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit about if Tennessee wins who you know the possibility of them facing Duke do you think it's a given that they're going to face Duke because Oral Roberts I, I scouted them they shoot
1: really well from outside they do shoot really well and then you got guys that are not um, so or Roberts, you got guys that um are new to it and don't know any better coming into the NCAA tournament. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't know they're not supposed to be good. They don't know they're supposed to be upset. They don't know they're supposed to be um stunned and shocked by the lights. So they come in and playing their way free for all. You never know what can happen in the tournament. That's one thing about March Madness. You can't script it. It's unscripted. And Duke coming into it. You're led by a guy in Jeremy Roach, but, man, you got a lot of freshmen out there playing the bulk of the minutes who ain't never been there either. And this isn't... Duke right now carries the same mystique to me as Kentucky does. Like, nobody's really afraid of the tradition there because you don't have the same guy for Duke roaming the sidelines. Like, at some point, he could get it together and get these guys to snap out of it and start playing the Duke-style of way. Not saying anything um, against Shire, but, like, this is... This is new for these guys, man. He's not been under the, under the microscope of being shocked or something like that. You know, Hubert Davis went through it this year. So, I mean, it's only right if you, if you look at the busting brackets, then Oral Roberts go out there and give Duke a hell of a show.
3: Ron,
4: I'm, I'm of the belief with, with John Calipari, and I want to get back to this game, um, that the, the, he's survived and thrived on the one and done. But I think you're going to see teams – I think you're about to see a real renaissance period in college basketball during the regular season. And the reason I believe that is because NIL is going to keep guys around who might have gone to the NBA prematurely. Yeah, I think you're going to see more mature teams. I think we're going to see guys that we know year to year, which is important. So I tie that to John Calipari, and he might have his one-and-dones and be more talented. Yeah. But I think his ship sailed. I think the game is now evolved and it's going to be tougher for him to win at a high level with the one and done
1: method. Your thoughts? I, I, I think you could be right on that, Dave. I, I just look at it as, you know, he got a, a hell of a class coming in next year, man. And when you talk about talent, that is something serious. But we all know, man, when you're playing against a guy that's 22, like a lot of these guys still have COVID years left. So right. when you speak into it, like, Guys playing against guys 22 years old, 23 years old with um, NIL deals, too. They're not really worried about the 19-year-old that's coming in and getting all the hoopla about going to the NBA and things of that nature. Like, they want to shock you and be on front page of um, whatever website it is to let them know that, hey, man, we're here, too, and we just knocked off Goliath. And that's what I'm talking about with the mystique not not really not really being there. Like, he even tried Cal tried to bring back a veteran group. And it still was a little rocky. You know, Casey Wallace kind of – that, he, he, that mode that he went with this year, veterans around one young guy kind of works right now. Mm-hmm. Like when you talk about the renaissance of a program kind of um, putting a guy in there, a freshman, and letting them be around some veteran guys and him trying to mature and then by the end of the season, kind of like what Casey Wallace did. That'll be totally different next year when he gets all these one-and-dones and guys got to move on. And he's stuck with them, and they don't have that experience, man. Experience is the best teacher. You don't have that, man. You don't have nothing. And it looks like, to your point, that's what it's about to get back to because you're going to have not only that, but you got mid-major guys that's going to get in the transfer portal and try to make that leap to the Power Five conferences, and they're going to be ready to play and prove something. So they'll be looking at chops when a guy comes in, uh, such as a DJ Wagner, next year, and you get the opportunity to play against him head up, you know, and – it's gonna be fun to watch. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. You got to you got to be able to mix it in and sprinkle it in with the transfer portal and guys that are staying around. I think you're I think you're seeing
4: <clears throat> already some of that against Gonzaga. I think they're guys yeah. that, that want to stay as yep. opposed to hopefully make an NBA team. Sorry, Caleb. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: no, that's fine. It's time to put Ron on the spot regarding Tennessee. Are
4: um, Ron- we, we gonna do the pronounce Nico's name?
0: <laughs> no,
1: I got it. I think.
0: Oh, you got it? All right, let's oh, try to
1: do it right
4: second. now. Um I had it. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. Nico, what do you say? Oh, that's the wrong drop.
1: No,
3: was oh, radio. radio. Yeah. yeah those, that, that was I'm one
1: of those dancing. days. I'm excited about it. Okay. Nico, what do you say? I, I think Ron just, I Ron, Ron just destroyed Josh Ward. Is Malayava? I male. See, I thought it was Malayava. Malayava. Nico, tell me.
3: Yeah, There we you know, go. I-a-male-ava. I can send you male-ava. that for your
1: drop bank if you. Malayava. <laughs> Malayava. You know what? I ride around saying this name <laughs> because guess what? Because Ramon. Ramon got it. Ramon Foster got it, and I'm like, man, how did he get that? So after I heard him get it right, I said, you know what? I'm gonna ride around practicing saying So I've been practicing for about a month. I'm be ready for I it. I did too.
4: Bob Kessling somewhere doing that as we speak. All right, Caleb, go ahead.
0: It's fine. That wasn't the thing that was going to put him on the spot, but that was a good one. No, what I'm putting you on the spot for is, all right, who goes okay. further, both number four seeds, Valls or Lady
1: Valls. Ooh. That is a good one, Caleb. Golly. Oh, with the Lady Valls playing at home. Mm-mm-mm. That's a good one, man. Wow. It's tougher
4: than it was back in the day when you just assumed the lady boss would make the sweet six.
1: You just knew what it was. You just just knew what it was. Like, they skated by a little bit last year. I forgot who it was. Was it Louisville? They were playing in in Tennessee. I forgot who it was, was, but I was watching it. Yeah, and they they got on by that one. Man. See, that that mystique is gone just a little bit, too, like I was speaking about with Kentucky and Duke, too. So you got to kind of regain that. I'm gonna have to go. The safest pick is the Lady Vols. That's the safest pick with them playing at home, and you know I think they got a joke in the arm with Tamaria Key um um announcing she's coming back. Rakia Jackson her announcing I, I think that kind of lifts the spirits and gets them through. Um, my money, <laughs> my money. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the men, man. I'm gonna go with the men. I'm gonna go with the men. I got the men getting to the Sweet 16, and then we'll see what happens then. Wow. So it may be even. I may break even on this. <laughs> Could uh,
0: even. yeah, I think if you put money on What do you man, think, Caleb? I'm sorry. What do you think? Oh, I got I got Lady Vols. I got Lady Vols going to the Sweet 16. I got Men losing in the second round. Sorry, I'm a hater.
1: <laughs> okay, that's cool. So you so you got them losing to Oral Roberts. I got losing to Duke is I got them losing. you think Duke is going <laughs> to is gonna make it? I think Duke's going to make it.
0: I, I think without Zakai, I think Tennessee is just going to have too many issues um to get to the Sweet 16.
1: So what is it? You like the freshman for Duke? What is it like? What make you think them
0: freshmen? Go no, out it's more just Duke's guys? red hot. I mean, they've won nine straight. They won the ACC tournament. Um, they still mm-hmm. shoot the ball well, and they still have enough size. And I don't think Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee can turn up the tempo the way they would want to defensively without Zakai. And I think that's going to. Okay. I think Duke's going to be able to run their offense because of that.
4: Okay. When we were having the discussion earlier, is Tennessee the best program to not, win, to not make it to a Final Four? And you start to look at the list, and there are well-funded programs like Alabama is one, and th- there are other programs that place a higher emphasis on basketball, I believe, like, say, uh, Xavier. But when you start talking about the best programs to never make the Final Four, Tennessee's right up there. And when you talk about the Ernie and Bernie days and you guys – and, and all that Tennessee's had in a rich basketball history, second to Kentucky, and and wins in the SEC, and all of that. And I was curious what a Final Four run would mean to to Tennessee's basketball program, both from a recruiting and
1: fan standpoint. I, I think it would stamp it. You, you're looking for a stamp to solidify that. You belong. Like you got all the accolades, you got players of the years and all Americans and everything, but you you're missing that that final four run that you got to be able to look back at. Um kind of like it was it's kind of like um the vol's football team in the 80s and 90s. You know, you're like, yeah, oh, all this talent, man. Like, dude, great coach, great players, great fan base, and it was all stamped and solidified with that 98 national championship you know what i'm saying so it kind of let everybody this next generation ride in on a wave and you know start to be able to remember um what what the golden years were like i think you, this is what you need you got to you got to have it at some point for basketball i think it's it's been a lot of flirting the expectations have been there um just not being able to get all the way all the way there man My whether it's a bad call luck of the ball bouncing a, a certain way whatever it is you gotta get, you gotta get there, man. Somehow, some way, and I think it'll mean the world. It'll mean the world to Ball um, Nation um, and the Tennessee, but uh, Tennessee basketball program and the program in itself.
0: Ryan, uh one more uh, either or, real quick. Um, on a broader scale, we uh, you. Mm. I've given my thoughts on March Madness. I admit when I'm watching the tournament, it's exciting. It's just, it's yeah, overall, yeah. It, it's it, it's like alcohol to me. I
1: love it, but it's Welcome not Welcome to the fun, Caleb. Welcome to the fun, Caleb. Welcome to the <laughs> oh, fun,
0: no, I, baby. I, I said sometimes I feel like it sacrifices the regular season too much. So March Madness to me is like alcohol. I love it, but it it causes some other damage that you don't feel when you're enjoying it at the time. <laughs> um, But so what's going to be more exciting? March Madness or the upcoming in two years, 12 team college football playoff. Which one's going to be more fun long-term?
1: All right. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to have to say March madness, um, just because it being unscripted. And this is the only time that you can have a mid major that was 500 in the regular season, catch fire down the stretch and make a sweet 16 run. Like, With the 12-team playoff, you know you're going to get the first four with a bye. Um, The other eight teams that are playing, you kind of got it figured out. You know what I'm saying? And even if those, say, a lower team advances and gets to play one of those first four teams, I mean, I don't think the hype would be there. It will be good for the programs without question and the travel and everything. But I don't think we're going to walk into it thinking that – San Diego State can beat Alabama if they match up against them. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you come into this one, we sitting here talking about Oral Roberts, and we can really put up a, a debate about why Oral Roberts can get Duke. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think with that hanging around March Madness and it being three weeks of it, it's like – march madness has its own its own place if we can just get nfl free agency to to simmer down i think everything will be fine but um the 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 college football playoff is going to be fun for that time i think without question because you're also playing off the heels of um the nfl playoffs getting ready to go too so it's all it's like a culmination of it's just a party it's just a party all around you know you on Saturday, Sunday, like the weekends are great. You're gonna have to end up taking off Monday for some reason, but it's um, it's it's everything you want in 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 fun and sports and storylines and things of that nature. But ain't nothing like March Madness, man. Nothing like March Madness.
4: No, it's pretty special. I I've always found one of the most interesting things to me is in basketball when you get selected in the tournament, you basically have three days to prepare for opponent one, and then you've got 48 hours to prepare for opponent two. So yep. covering you guys, I'm familiar with how that works. You would have one guy scout or Roberts. You would have one guy scout Duke. Mm-hmm. But it just is fascinating to me. And football, I mean, they're studying Georgia like today, okay? So, I mean, you don't, you don't have right. that quick a turnaround. So that being said, with that as the backdrop, and you've got to get ready for a team, does Rick Barnes or did Jerry Green have conversations like, big picture macro conversations. And the conversation this year would be anybody can win this thing. Mm -hmm. And if I'm Rick Barnes and I look at my team, I say, listen, we've had some ups and downs. Things didn't go well at the end of the year, lost Sakai, but there's 25, 30 teams that could win this tournament. Why can't you be one of them? Do you have those big macro conversations or is there too much going on getting ready for a game?
1: I I think, I think it's, you have you have that um leading up to the game, day of the game is kind of put out of your mind and you kind of narrow it and, and start to think just about that team. You actually don't even I think that's what got us in trouble. Um huh on our sweet 16 run. Us looking forward to we couldn't wait to play Tulsa. Oh we knew like we we knew we had North Carolina, it wasn't no if answer buts. We knew we were gonna beat them. Um we 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 knew that they ran their offense through Brandon Haywood. We were gonna lock him down. We had the best defender, probably to walk the earth at six eight, six nine with CJ Black. So he was gonna handle Haywood and he handled them. And then you could throw me at him, Hathaway, hay slip. Like we had bodies. We had bodies to throw at him that had IQ and know how to play and wasn't scared to bang. Um so we're coming out and in the tunnel, like we're we telling North Carolina, like, we're we about to beat y'all. And it ain't even – like, it don't matter how we do it, we're going to beat y'all. We see Toss, We see Bill Self in the stands scouting the game, and we can't wait. We saw him walk by. Coach, we after y'all. We got y'all. We making up because we played them in Puerto Rico earlier that year right. and lost to them. So, we automatically like, oh, yes, this is it. – like, it's set up perfect for us. And Haywood fouled out. And that, that, threw and a Julius whole game Peppers off.
4: came in. I'll never, and Julius get Peppers sitting there in. and looking at that dude thinking, that is one heck of an athlete. But you know, <laughs> you should blame, do you still talk to Mark Packer at all?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. Talk you should about, blame him because
4: yeah. he came up to me on the sideline. He said, well, it looks like Tennessee's going to the final four now. And as soon as oh. he said that, Brendan gets the foul and Julius Peppers comes in. It's Mark Packer's
1: fault. That's exactly whose fault it is. <laughs> That's exactly like we had it. Per- if he never fouls out, right. They continue to run their offense through Haywood and it's, it's nothing. They took the ball out of his hands and put it in Ed air hands, of And he was a maestro, man. And it, it crushed us. So I, I think man, you can get caught looking ahead, but you want to, you want to focus on the game. I'm talking about all the way until the time ticks off. And that's what we were doing all the way up to that point and kind of, I think we kind of felt it, too. Like, we, we got these guys.
4: Oh, I, th- I thought there was no question. You you guys had it. Uh, but Quick question <laughs> on the message board. Um, have you ever thought about going into coaching?
1: Yeah, that's what I actually wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do before I started doing this. I, I tried my hand at everything, man. It's um, I did high school coaching for four years. I tried to get into college ranks. Um, did a couple of private schools. Like, I, I did it. I did it all, man. Knocked on the door. Beat on the door. And... That door, that door never, door never opened. Nobody ever came to it. I don't even think nobody looked out the peephole. So I just, so I, uh, I actually went to the house next door, and the media door was wide open, and they, they greeted me with, greeted me with open arms. And here I, am. Oh,
4: there, you have that little uh, automatic cameras on the door. Ding dong, it's Ron again. Yeah. Pretend we're not yeah. here.
1: Everybody just got quiet. <laughs> I saw the lights on and there. It was party. It was like Home Alone when the people going by the. Going by the window. Oh. <laughs> when he was acting. Well, I mean, was- I'm
4: curious though, because I mean, you, you could still do it. When you see Penny, Jerry Stackhouse, those guys that are doing that, uh, you're building yeah. a name for yourself. We've we've seen in basketball, guys get plucked from the media.
3: Well, uh, yeah, yeah. how
4: would
1: that? How would you react if that happened? If somebody called? I'm gonna be honest, man. Honestly, I would love to do it. Like it ain't nothing about. It's nothing like being around the game of basketball the prep for it and to be able to transfer the information to the player and then the player carry it out it may only happen two out of eight times that the player carries out the information but when it happens man it's no other greater feeling than that like as a coaching staff to go back in that locker room after the players in there celebrating you sit right there like that was a hell of a game plan man and they carried it out and we got to win like it's that's as close as you will ever get again to playing. You know what I'm saying? Like, to be able to have your imprint on the game, there is, there's no other feeling like that. Like, when I get to go call games, I still prep like I'm playing the game. Like, I don't really take my notes out there with me or anything. Like, I write them down, study the notes, put my music on as I'm getting dressed, you know what I'm saying? as I'm riding to the arena, I got my music bumping like I'm getting ready to play play the game and it's showtime, so that's as close as I get right now in broadcasting and doing media. So, yeah, it ain't nothing like it. Ain't nothing like coming through that tunnel. It's, it's different. It's I'm telling you
0: what I might do because I've always, Ron. You know, I know you played it in, in high school. I think you'd be a good football coach. Honestly,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'd be a good get-back
0: coach. <laughs> Here's a if ron born in memphis lives in nashville yeah. went to school yeah. went to ut
1: knoxville one of the guys that covers mm-hmm. the whole state of tennessee if you coach tennessee i don't think a player would leave the state hey man i'm gonna tell you i wouldn't let him i'm gonna let him like i'll probably get him i'll probably be investigated with tampering and um i mine be more of kidnapping because i'm not gonna let him you try to go to a visit i'm gonna be waiting there at the airport and <laughs> Take them away, then keep them for two days, and they'd be like, oh, I just missed this missed this recruiting visit. Sorry. Hey, man, come on up in Tennessee. Like, hey, man, there's no way I'll let anybody get out of the state of Tennessee. I would love it. I would love it. Ron, great
4: stuff for those that might be listening in Nashville. Where are you going to be for the watch party again?
1: I'm um, in Party File. Um, party File, the restaurant um, in Murfreesboro today from 10 until, until and then tomorrow I'm in mean, Party File in Cool Springs. So,
4: it's uh let us watch the game with us. Uh we had another question from Nick real quick. Uh more popular in high school, you or John Henderson?
1: Oh, no question. Um, Big John. Ain't, man, this man was the, number he was the number one player in football in America, especially on the defensive end. Ronald Curry, him and Ronald Curry would go back and forth, but then he was top 15 in basketball. Like it, this man was baby Shaq. Nice. <laughs> be, how I how can I be more popular than baby, baby Shaq? Like <laughs> I just, I was, I was six four, six five, one eighty five. <laughs> he, he's six eight, two eighty five, <laughs> and moving like, nah, what, no comparison. I, de- I had more highlights than him though. That's what you want. Absolutely. Know. <laughs> so you'll be a party foul is a um,
4: chicken tender technically? Yeah. Let me ask you this: is is a boneless chicken wing a thing, or is it just a big chicken nugget?
1: That's a big chicken nugget. You
4: gotta have the bone. You gotta have the bone. Gotta have bone in, bone in, and nothing like it. You're a great man, Ron. I appreciate you, buddy. Enjoy the tournament. All right, let's go balls, baby. There we go, Ron Slay, former Vol. We certainly appreciate his time. Have a fantastic j- day. Enjoy the tournament. Uh, we will be on with you after the game tonight, uh, win or lose. So that'll be a lot of fun. And we join you each and every day at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So set those notifications on. And Friday, we'll have a football Friday with Fred. Fred White will join us for Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Sports.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a
5: laundry? Ooh, a book club? Computer solitaire, huh?
2: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.